Business Foundations for Mums with me, Kate Butcher, is the podcast to listen to if you are a mum who is ready to launch your business, not sure where to start or wanting to turn that sideline into something more serious. It will be full of practical tips, mindset advice and inspirational and honest interviews with mums who are juggling business and motherhood. Supporting mums in business to turn your dream into a reality. and welcome to today's episode of Business Foundations for Mums. Today I am welcoming Julie Brown to the podcast and Julie is going to tell us all about her experience of running her business, how that's inspired by motherhood and how that fits in with everything that she does. And so let's straight away hand over to Julie and say welcome Julie, please can you introduce us, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your business and about how that fits in with family life for you. Oh, hi, everybody. Nice to be here. So my role as a self-employed person is visibility and media coach. If I was going to be formal, that's what I would say to you. And what I do is I work with, it is usually female entrepreneurs, I have to say, but a few brave men do knock on my door as well, in helping them become more visible in their business and the clues in the title, really. And that can be general visibility or quite often it's media coverage. People come to me because they want to get some media coverage in whatever press they're after. And the reason they do that is because I'm a journalist. I've been a journalist for 19 years and I know everything there is to know about the media. So I'm really lucky that I can use my general visibility advice and experience alongside my media experience. And that's quite a unique combination, actually. There's there's not many people Mm -hmm. who... Who do, do those two together, but it puts me in a really good position to help my clients become uber visible. I'm also an accredited and qualified life coach, so I am able, and I'm really glad I can do this, to switch over into mindset coaching if I need to, because what I find is that one of the things that holds people back with their visibility, particularly when I start talking about media coverage, is their mindset. They're not good enough, they've got no confidence, don't want to be on camera, don't want to picture taken, yada, 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 on it goes. So I'm lucky that I can switch over, do some mindset work, and then pull them back to the visibility piece. So I do do a lot of talking around using Instagram and Facebook and the groups and everything else that people want to know about that side of visibility. And I also have a podcast and I also have a YouTube channel, so I can talk to people about those sorts of things as well. But certainly um, from the media coverage, that's where I get a lot of people interested in what I do. As far as personal is concerned, I live in Brighton uh, in the UK for anybody who's listening from abroad. I'm quite adventurous, I guess. People think I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I'm not by any stretch of my imagination. I scare myself to death most of the time because I like things like snowboarding and I ride motorbikes. I like doing adventures. I've ridden across America three times, ridden around France and Spain. And my next adventure on the list is to walk to every space camp. And I've got that book for next year. So I do enjoy a bit of an adventure. But as I say, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. People always say, oh, you must love to be scared. No, I don't love it. I just can't help myself. I just have to do these things so that I feel like I've lived, I guess. I've got one wow. son um, who's grown up now. So possibly different to some of the people that are listening to this. But obviously, I've taken a lot of inspiration from my son. And I know what it's like to be a working mum, because although... He's grown now. I worked all the way through his life. I went back to work when he was 12 weeks old and haven't stopped since. So although I'm self-employed now, I did go through the whole corporate world with a, a young son. So I know exactly what it's like to be juggling all those things. 
Absolutely. Gosh, that must have been quite a challenge juggling a life in journalism, because I imagine, I, mean, I don't know a huge amount about journalism by any means, but I imagine there must be quite a lot of needing to be responsive if you're working in journalism and needing to potentially drop things and, and deal with whatever needs dealing with, which can be tricky when you've got a young family. Yeah, absolutely. Although I have to say when he was really young, I wasn't a journalist. I've done a couple of pivots in my life. I used to work for the National Health Service. So when he was young, proper young, I was um, NHS manager. Then I worked for the government inspecting hospitals. Very, very high profile stuff. And that, to some extent, was even worse because I was often reacting to national crises. And I used to have to down tools very quickly to head off and deal with whatever the NHS was throwing at me. So, yeah, that was that was a struggle. I used to be away for weeks at a time as well when I was inspecting hospitals. So I used to have to try and manage that. And I moved into journalism probably when he was about 12, so a little bit older. But obviously that then brings with it completely different challenges. And um, yeah, that was fun. Teenage years are fun, folks, if you're not there yet. She said, tongue in cheek. Um, oh. so yeah, So yeah, I've always worked. I've always worked full time, never done any part time work. And yeah, it was a challenge, but you get through it. You find ways of managing that. You look for support around you and everything's doable. It's just about being organized and having the right mindset to do it. I I love that attitude. Everything's doable. It's about finding the right way to do it, isn't it? It's a conversation that I've had quite a lot recently about if you have a, I can't do it mindset, then you won't do it. It's quite a simple formula. If, If you don't think you can, you won't find a way. But if you want to, you'll find a way to do it. You'll find a solution. You'll find a way to manage the problems and the challenges that get thrown in the way, which is so important. So amazing. And what a fantastic combination you've got as well now. All that experience from the past that you've got. But equally, now you're a qualified life coach and a visibility coach. And then you also do the PR. I mean, that, that must be, as you say, a really, really interesting combination, a really good combination of different things that you can use together and different skills that really complement each other. Yes, and interestingly enough, when I first became self-employed, I, I tried to almost ditch my experience from before, which I've since learned is a really big mistake. I decided I was going to leave work around about six months before I did because I wanted to be able to plan for it. I just didn't want to down, down tools and walk out. I wanted to save up some money so that I knew when I went self-employed, I'd be okay for a while and all that stuff. That is a really good thing to do if you're thinking about leaving work. Mm. But I, I decided I wanted to be a life coach. So I trained to be a life coach and I I became accredited. So when I left work, that was my goal, be a life coach. And I don't know why I thought it was a great idea not to think about the journalism and my writing experience and all the stuff that I did with NHS, particularly around assessing and auditing. I did decide to be a carry on doing journalism as a freelancer, but I didn't use it in my my business as such. I didn't tell the people who was coming to who were coming to me for my services that I was a journalist or any of that experience I just said I'm a life coach and I can help you with you know whatever it is that you've come to me through the eyes of life coach Mm. I was probably about 18 months into my self-employed life coaching business when I thought why am I not using my experience as a journalist and all the other stuff in this business now and that's when things started to take off for me when I embraced my experience as a whole and that it happened slowly but it it started because some of the people I was attracting and I wasn't even trying to attract these people they were just coming to me were business owners who wanted coaching but they wanted coaching around their writing skills and their storytelling skills and their messaging skills which as a life coach I wasn't actually offering I was doing more work on things like confidence and imposter syndrome 
but I was obviously attracting them because they were learning what I'd done in the past and decided that's what they wanted to talk to me about. And that's when I thought, you know what, I really should relook at this and decide whether I should be doing something other than just life coaching. And it was definitely a good decision to do. Fantastic. And is that then when the visibility coaching came in and the PR side of it? Not straight away, no. And again, this is a, a, a good thing to talk about because people think that they have to have everything sorted from day one in business. And that's not the case. You can change, you can pivot, you can add things on. When I first started getting those inquiries around storytelling and writing, I decided that would be a writing coach alongside mm. the life coaching. So I did that for a little while. And then I thought, you know what? I really can't ignore the fact that I'm a journalist. And I started looking at including the media coverage as well. And that's just been amazing for me. I, I did a little bit of um, done for you work with the, the media coverage, saying to people, I'll do it for you, um, mm. like an agency, I guess. But quite recently, I've, I've ditched that because I actually just want to teach people how to do their own media coverage because that's much more powerful. So much more powerful to go out there and try and get your own media coverage than have an agency working for you. Absolutely. A lot of that, I think, is about personal messaging, isn't it? I know that's something that I've always resisted as a virtual assistant, writing other people's content for them on social media, because although I think I'm quite good as a writer, I struggle to put myself into someone else's voice. So that's something that I've I've resisted. I have a brilliant associate who does manage to do that really, really well for some of my clients. But personally, I, I can't do that. So I think it, it can be quite hard to to get your own voice and your own message out there if you're getting somebody else to do it on your behalf. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, because I write for lots of different magazines, I'm quite good at, at picking up on styles and tones and things. So I've no issues with that. For me, as a as an editor, because I've been an editor-in-chief and a publisher, so quite high up in the journalism world, I, I got every day lots and lots of emails from people saying, I've got a story idea. And to be honest with you, I only really took notice of the ones that were coming in from the people themselves, not from a PR agency because the PR agencies have got a slightly different reason for getting people in the media. It's not always because they've got the person at the, the heart of it all. It's because, you know, the more media coverage they can get for somebody, the more money uh, they can make. And you'll see, if you talk to any of the journalists, they'll say this, you know, journalists' relationships with PR people is not great. So for me, if I saw an email that had come from a PR company, I'd possibly just delete it. Whereas if it's come from the person themselves, saying I'd like to feature in your magazine or on your website or wherever, I'm much more likely to open it and have a look at it because I knew it'd be more heartfelt. The stories would be come from a different place. So my ad, big advice, if you want to do your, the PR stuff, is particularly while you're still learning and you're still sort of a newish business, to try and learn how to do it yourself because you'll get many more rewards for that. Of course, when you get to be a multimillionaire, and you really haven't got any time, then that's when you go to a PR agency, although you probably wouldn't need much media coverage by that point because they'll be coming to you. But yeah, definitely learn how to treat yourself to start with. What a brilliant tip. Thank you very much. That's a really, really good tip for anyone who's thinking about getting out there and getting some PR done. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more? You, you mentioned about how a lot of people struggle with, I suppose it, it was imposter syndrome you were talking about, weren't you, about saying you know, people struggle with thinking about their image or whether they wanted their voices out there and all of those kind of things. So how do you help and support people to get past those barriers? Well, like you, I guess I do quite a lot of mindset work. So obviously, um, as an accredited life coach, I've got lots of tools at my fingertips to help them with that. I do teach life coaching on the London Academy as well. So thankfully, you know, I get a lot of input from lots of different people and 
my life coaching journey never ends because I've got to be uh, up speed with everything. So, yeah, I use a lot of tools, but I also I really want people to remember all that they have done in life because they may have imposter syndrome about this particular thing that they're trying to do now. But what people forget is how fabulous they are in everything else. Mm-hmm. And we need to transfer that on through our journeys, to be honest. And I have lots of tools that I help people that uh, with that, just trying to get them to see what they've achieved, how great they are in all sorts of different ways. The, the different things that they have to do, particularly as a mum, I have to succeed in, I have to achieve. And we need to take that on really to um, the future and what they're wanting to do in the future. Now, if I was going to say one tool that I think helps a lot of people, then I would suggest keeping up, keeping a big me up book. So that's just a little book and I've got one. There's no point showing it because it's on the podcast. I was going to get it out for you then. That's what I was reaching for if you're watching this on the video. But um, it's basically a little book that you can carry it with you wherever you go. And I ask people to write in it. And it's an ongoing thing. So you, you make a start and then you keep going. Everything that you've achieved, everything that you're good at, everything that people have told you about yourself and how good you are. And it, it becomes like a little book of you. And all it has in there is all the things that you're really good at. So all the things you've done in the past that you, you're good at, things that you're doing now that you're good at. If anybody gives you a compliment, put it in there. If you get a, an email from somebody saying how much you've helped them, put it in there. And it's just a book, a reminder, really, of how fabulous you actually are. So although there's hundreds of tools that we could talk about, that is the one that I find makes most impact on people because they can carry it with them. So if they're going somewhere to do an interview, for instance, they can get it out and remind themselves how good they are. If they're about to do a Zoom call and they're wobbling, they can get it out and remind themselves how fabulous they are. It's just one of those tools that is never ending. And when I say write things in there that you're good at, I mean anything. So if you're good at cooking a curry, put it in there. If you're good at you know, changing a baby's nappy, put it in there. If you're good at styling your hair, it doesn't have to be related to the stuff you do for work. It can be anything because we all are fantastic human beings and we need to remind ourselves of that every single day. That's a really fabulous idea. I've, I've not come across a Big Me Up book before, so I think I might have to start one of those. That's a really great plan. And I think I'm going to start one, get my daughter to start something like that as well, because um, we gave her a little diary um, for Christmas um, last year, I think, actually. Um, for her to to use to put down her thoughts and she hasn't I don't think used it consistently but I think that would be a really great way for her to to use it to write down all the positives what a good idea I strongly believe in having a a gratitude diary and writing down daily gratitude that's something that I try to do although I'm not massively consistent as I would like to be with that one but yeah what a really good idea because actually that's one thing that when I wanted, I wanted to get some testimonials recently for something I did a while ago. And I thought a few people sent me emails and a few people made comments on messenger. And I didn't actually take snapshots of those or put them anywhere in a collated place where I could come back to them when I needed them, which would have been a really sensible thing to do, but to have, have a book with it all in what a really good idea. Yeah, it is really good. And it's funny because when you first start doing it, um, certainly if I say to somebody, you know, get 50 things in there quite quickly, find that particularly the women struggle uh you know to get going and they might get to 10 and say I haven't got any more and you've got to really egg them along it's a bit different for the men they tend to fill it up quite quickly um but yeah certainly the women that I work with you know can struggle so if it's slow to get going don't worry just keep at it and you'll find that there are so many things that you're good at yeah it's very yeah it's very true I think often we're 
women get to the end of the day, particularly if you're juggling family life and, and business, will get to the end of the day and think, I had a really unproductive day. I didn't really get anything done. But then when you actually look back and you think about the fact that actually you got your children up and dressed and fed and, you know, having a fun day and, and you can actually think through all of the things that you did achieve. It might not have been necessarily business tasks or um, whatever it might be, but actually, you know, we do achieve a lot more in our days than I think we give ourselves credit for a lot of the time. So, yeah, that's that's a really good idea to have a way of recording all of that and all of the things that you are good at so yeah fantastic thank you very much brilliant some really good tips to get us started so far so can you give us a little bit of insight into you've talked about starting your business but was there a particular trigger you, you said you sort of planned it for six months and so on was there a reason that you decided to give up on employment and to start working in your own business I mean I, I loved my work you know as a journalist it's a fantastic thing to do and I still am a journalist now and I still write for lots of different places I didn't want to let that go but there are a, fair, a few reasons why I wanted to be self-employed the first one is because I wanted to I wanted to feel some of that freedom I'd never had so you know after working through all my son's early years you cannot imagine the sorts of things I might I missed as I went along and although my my son was grown when I decided to start my self-employed business I still wanted a, a sense of that freedom you know where I manage my own time a little bit and can you know make my own path in life churn out a career that I styled really I guess so that was one of the things that I wanted to do have some of that freedom I also wanted to move I've moved quite a lot but when I was the, the last place I was working before I left I really needed to get out of it it wasn't a place that suited me so that was another reason I've been there for about four and a half years at that point and I thought I really need to move away from this town but getting a job seemed too much like hard work I thought you know what I think I'm, this is the time to go self-employed so that was another reason and um, I was earning a lot of money but I wanted to see how much more abundant I could be because obviously when you're when you're working you're capped by whatever your employer wants to give you but I felt that the, there might be a different way to look at life than to have somebody telling you what you were worth. I wanted to see how much I was worth on my own terms. And I guess alongside of that was when we had the whole Brexit thing, which I'm not going to get into too much, but it made me realise that actually one of the best things you could do is future-proof your own life. So when you're working for someone, your future is in their hands, really. They could have just decided overnight that they didn't need many more the business might have shut down because of what was happening in the politics situation. And I didn't, I didn't want that stress anymore. I wanted to know that I was in charge of what I did. So, you know, I could work harder if I needed to, because I needed to bring some money in. Although something happened in the news that was affecting my business, I could pivot. I just wanted to be in charge. And it's really worked because I'm much less stressed as, around the future. I get stressed day to day when I've got so much to do, but certainly as the future goes, I'm not as stressed. I've stopped feeling charged. I started traveling more. I go away on my own now, you know, to places I don't rely on having to go with other people. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to be in charge of me. And even though my son's grown, having this flexibility means that I can still spend more time with him now because I can take time off in the week if he's got a bit of spare time. And it's just, it's just much better, much easier for me being in, in charge. And because I can do the freelance journalism, I don't feel like I've lost that. I've just transferred it into a different situation, I guess. Fantastic. I love that sense of taking control of your own destiny. Yeah, I think it's so important, isn't it, to know 
that you you are in charge of your future and you make the decisions that determine where your life's going to go which is fantastic yeah absolutely, absolutely. I, I guess when I talk about it, it it sounds like it was probably quite easy but it wasn't I mean for the last six months I was at work I, I really you know I saved up quite a lot of money so that I knew I would have a certain amount of months where if I didn't earn anything I could still be okay but I was quite terrified you know for the mm. six, that six months I was thinking will this work will I get any work and I didn't bother because the minute I switched off my day job the work just started coming in firstly because I'd and I guess this is a really good tip, you know, depending on where your um, your listeners and viewers are in their life. But what I did, I just told everybody what I was going to be doing. I told all my friends. I told all the, the media people that I got contact with. So the minute I switched off my business, I got requests in from the media saying, could you do some work for us? Could you come and write for us for a little while? So although straight away, I, I didn't get into the life coaching quickly. I did. I had enough stuff going on to make sure that I didn't fall flat on my face. Absolutely. So the freelance work was keeping you going while you built up the life coaching side of things. Yeah. So if there's anything that your listeners or uh, your audience clients are good at, don't switch that off straight away to switch on your new life is what I'm saying. You know, see whether you can have a bit of both going on for a little while just to ease you into the self-employed, true self-employment status, if it's something that you're a little bit worried about. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that is a really good tip because a lot of people do worry about taking that step from leaving employment and, and starting their own business. Um, and I think having that several months of planning time that you've put in place in advance there. So you've made sure that financially you're in a position in case things are slow to take off. Um, I think that's a really good plan to, to get things in place, get everything ready so that you have that that buffer, I suppose. So brilliant. So, yeah, and you're quite right. Freelancing in what you've always done is a great way to to fill that gap as well and to keep things ticking over that sounds absolutely brilliant thank you very much there are absolutely tons of opportunities out there once you need to look for them you know when you're employed or Mm. you that's not working you've got because you've got young children you think well what opportunities are there but there are tons you know there's so many different things we can do now um there's always some way you can make money without having to go work for somebody else Yes, absolutely. And shouting about what you're doing to everybody as well. Brilliant tip. Thank you for that. Um, Because I think you never know who might be interested. You never know who might be in need of what you're offering or might be able to tell somebody else about it. That was one of the biggest tips I got regarding networking when I started networking is that there might not be anybody in that room who is a potential client for you. But, you know, hand out your business cards anyway, because I I still remember to this day years ago being given a business card for an insurance broker. And it was someone my dad had met at networking and my dad didn't use him and didn't need to. But he said, oh, I've met this chap at networking. He seems really on the ball. He seems really good. There's there's his business card. So I I I learned the other way around that, you know, I, I was recommended somebody secondhand through networking and networking can sometimes, I think, frustrate people if there doesn't seem to be anybody they've met who is an immediate fit but you know I've, I've given away business cards two three years down the line for somebody I've met and I've remembered and passed on their details to somebody so getting out there and talking to everybody and any, anybody who'll listen about what you do I think is a really good really good starting point definitely yeah I also um, would suggest people write warm letters this is another tool that I speak to my clients about when they're worrying about getting clients and that's because often people are changing direction. So, for instance, for some of your um, audience, there may be mums at home at the moment, but they're about to go and do something else or they might be changing jobs, whatever the situation is. I would suggest writing a warm letter to 
anybody that you know that you want to alert to the fact that you've you're changing jobs so it could be people people you've worked with in the past it could be friends it could be family and just write to them saying you, you you may know me as a stay-at-home mom or you may know me as a whatever it is you've been doing but you know i'm now doing something else and this is what i do and this, this is who i offer it to and you'd be amazed how many clients you can get from that because obviously these people are close to you the friends the family the people you've worked with before and they want you to succeed and mm -hmm. i find that when you do that the what you get back can be absolutely amazing suddenly you've got this influx of people asking you about your business and what you do and can they employ you um just from one letter or a number of letters that go out to all these people that want you to succeed Fantastic. That's another brilliant bit of advice. Thank you. Gosh, we're getting loads of gems of wisdom today, which is fantastic. Thank you. So, Julie, what would you say is the best bit of advice that you have been given since you started in business? Maybe it's one of those pieces of advice that you've just given us. I don't know. Yeah, well, there's loads, obviously. Um, but I guess the, the, one, the ones that I thought I would share here is one around just get it out there. What I find more than anything is alongside imposter syndrome, we get this perfectionism and procrastination. And people think that Guilty. <laughs> a lot of people are. But I think it's the perfectionism that really uh, gets people because that goes hand in hand with procrastination, I know. But I think that everything has to be perfect before they put it out there. And it really doesn't. The, the message that you're sharing is important. But if you don't share it in, in the most perfect of ways, it doesn't really matter. I look back now to some of the videos that I made when I first started and they're terrible, but I'll still at it because if you don't get started, you can't complete either. You know, you've got to start somewhere. And even now, you know, all, you know, five years on, I still put things out there that I think, oh God, that's not really quite what I expected it to be, but it just has to go because otherwise I'd be sitting on it and sitting on it, on it and sitting on it. And what's more important is that you get your message out there and your services out there and you out there. And it doesn't really matter if it's perfect or not. So that's my first tip. Just get it out there, whatever it's perfect out there. It's so true. In fact, I've got up on my wall above the mantelpiece there, done is better than perfect, which is the Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg quote about exactly that. Yeah, it's a brilliant tip, that one. Thank you. Yeah, and alongside with that goes, you know, if you compare, you despair. So don't compare yourself to anyone else. You know, you're on your own path. Because what we often do is compare ourselves with people who are much further ahead of us. And it's no wonder we start to think, well, I'm useless. I really can't do this because look at them. You know, they've got all these clients, and, but they've probably been at it for five or 10 years and you're on, you're on the first ladder. So definitely don't compare. Secondly is start growing your email list right from the off. From day one, start planning and organizing an email list because that's what will sell your services when you get further down the line. Those are the, the people who are already in love with you. The people who are signed up to be in your world, the people that you can nurture. And we don't know when Facebook's going to shut down, when Instagram's going to go pop and all those things we don't own, whereas our email list is our own real estate. We own that. And unless we decide to shut it down, it's not going anywhere. So that's definitely absolute number one thing in business is to grow your email list. And then another thing I would say is if, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then reassess it. Because if you're self-employed, although it's a struggle sometimes and we have tough times along with the good times you should be enjoying it and if you're not enjoying it I would take a good look at it because it might be that you need to be doing something else brilliant thank you absolutely fantastic advice there on both of those the email list you know I actually just had a conversation this morning with one of my accountability buddies about exactly that and she said what are you doing with your email list and I have to say I'm guilty I've, I've gathered some emails but I don't 
nurture my email audience as much as I should. I know I don't. And yeah, so I, I did get a slap on the back of the wrist um, this morning for a virtual one for, for not actually doing anything with my email list. So yes, thank you. That Hearing it twice in one day is giving me the kick up the backside that I need to go out and actually start doing something with it. What I find most is people nurture their cold lists or their warm lists. So we're mm. all, all busy on social media posting and things. And that and what we're doing there is just talking to a cold audience mostly. Whereas your email list is your red hot list. And that's where we should focus. We'll get started. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I'm going to get on with that one. Definitely. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So do you have a favorite business tool that you use in your business at all? Yeah, again, I've got a few, but the, the two I would talk about, the two that I would talk about, I can never do just one, is MailerLite, which is my email list platform. Yep. And there are many, many, many out there. I started with MailChimp and moved on to MailerLite. And the reason I like it is because, well, it's free until you get to, I think it's a thousand subscribers. A thousand, yeah. But even when you start paying, it's not a lot to start with. So for anybody who's starting out, it's, it's a good one to go with because it's really easy to use. I find it easier than MailChimp. And when I was really struggling with MailChimp, that's when I sort of wasn't doing the email marketing that I should have because it was just too much of a struggle every day. Whereas now I've moved on to MailerLite and it's much easier and I can get emails out there quite quickly. Not to say I won't move on, you know, as my email lists get bigger and bigger, I'll probably move on to something else, but it's working for now. And then the one thing that I really couldn't live without, although it's quite a basic tool really, is Canva. Because for all the graphics that I have to do, all the branding that I have to do, all the resizing of stuff that I have to do, I couldn't do it without Canva. And it's so easy to use. And again, I think the pro is $10.99 a month, which is nothing. So mm. I would definitely not be able to strike that off, off my list. Probably heard that a thousand times, I'm sure. But yes, definitely. Honestly, those two tools are two of my absolute favorites as well. And I, exactly as I was saying, I have a mailing list and I haven't used it. It is in MailerLite, but MailerLite is something I use very frequently because I may not nurture my own mailing list, but I do a lot of work as a VA with my clients and their mailing lists. And MailerLite is the one that I always recommend that my clients use, because as you say, it's, it's, it's free to use with a, a smaller number of subscribers if you're under a thousand or so, but actually um, it is as you say, very easy to use, very user-friendly, but it's also the only piece of software that I could find that allows you to have quite a comprehensive sequence of automated emails in there within their free package. If you want to have automations in any of the other packages, you've got to upgrade to their paid programs, which when you're in the early stages of business, you don't necessarily have the funds to invest in even low cost products and, and services necessarily. And you can set up some really amazing automations with MailerLite, which I think is absolutely brilliant. They have just changed their pricing structure in the last month and I need to have a really good investigate and see what is and isn't included. But yeah, their automations are absolutely brilliant and so, so easy to use. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that that recommendation. And Canva likewise, use it all, all the time. And in fact, my daughter is completely obsessed now. I've set her up with a student account and she loves to make invitations and posters and create all sorts of fun things in there as well so it's it's great as a tool for for children to use with the free package as well to to come up with their creations for their things they want to use but yeah brilliant tool absolutely so, much, so many things on there that i'm still not using you know i've mm. even switched over things like all my presentations now are done on canva it's so mm -hmm. much easier than anything else i've used so yeah quite a basic thing but once you start with it you're not gonna be able to live without it that's for sure as a business owner Absolutely and totally. I utterly agree with that one, without a doubt. Fabulous. And do you have any books that you particularly like to read or to listen to that you would recommend to other mums in business? Yeah, I have got a whole library of books. I brought 
a couple in with me. I know the, your, your podcast audience can't see them, but I try to choose based on who I know your clients are. So this first one is called Hilda. Tackle your inner naysayer, get out of your own way and unleash your badassery. And it's by Ooh. somebody called Coach Jenny. Now, there are lots of books on imposter. It's about ah. imposter syndrome, basically. Um, but I just think it's, it's really lovely. It's, it's written in a really lovely, easy to understand way. And it's got lots and lots of tips. And it's probably, is it the best book I've ever read on imposter syndrome? Probably because of the way it's written and some of the tools and tricks that she talks about in there. So that was my first one. If you're suffering from imposter syndrome, which I know a lot of people are, then that's definitely worth having a look at. That's brilliant. That's a completely new one to me. I've not heard of that one. So thank you for that recommendation. That's going on my list as well. Yeah, it's very good. It is very good. And then my second one you will probably know about, and it's called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. This has mm-hmm. uh, been around for a while now, and a lot of people talk about it. But I think one of my big, big things is that getting your message straight is what's going to help you build your business. And I said earlier that you, it doesn't need to be 100% perfect how you, how you get it out there, you know, what your writing style is like and things. But actually making your message clear is a different matter. It has to be clear. The, the people who are doing marketing that's confusing are not going to get any clients. So getting your message spot on as far as having it clear in your head so that it can be clear in your, when you're doing your marketing is really important. And I would highly recommend this book to help with that. Fantastic. I haven't read that one. It is in my wish list, though. So it's uh, it's one that I know I know of, but I haven't actually listened to or read yet. Definitely, definitely worth having a look at. It follows the hero's journey, but it shows you how to implement it and stuff. So it's uh, well worth reading. Then my last one, which I don't have a copy of to show um, your YouTube viewers because I've only got it on Kindle, is called, I'm going to have to look at the proper title, The Go-Giver. And it's mm-hmm. by two, two men, Bob Berg and John David Mann. And the reason I've chosen this, it was a, a new book to me till quite recently, is that in business, we talk a lot about giving value, you know, give value, give value, give value. And I get quite a bit of um, people pushing, a few people pushing back on that. Oh, you know, if I give my best stuff away, nobody's going to want to buy anything. And that book tackles this. And it really gets to the heart of the matter around the more you give, the more you get back. And it does it in a really interesting way. So if you feel like you're, giving too much away or you don't want to put things out on social media because you worry that people then won't buy your services definitely read that book because it will get rid of that for you straight away so that's another one that I've been recommended and haven't yet listened to but it is again another one that's on my wish list and I've, I've heard a lot of really good things about that book so yeah definitely one I, I look forward to to listening to or reading really soon thank you three really good book recommendations there that's absolutely fabulous thank you for those Julie so before we wind up the interview could you finally tell us a little bit about where people can find you if people want to check out what you do a little bit more where you are on social media your website and any offers that you've got going on at the moment that people might be interested in sure so my website is uh, iamjuliebrown.com mm-hmm. with a name like Julie Brown you have to be quite creative with how you title yourself because it's quite a common name I am on Instagram, which is I am Julie.brown. I'm on Facebook. You can search me under Julie Brown. But I think you're going to put the links to that, aren't you, as well? In All the of the links will be in the show notes, yes. Because again, with a name like Julie Brown, if you just Google Julie Brown or look on Facebook under Julie Brown, you'll get quite a few. So the link uh, to my page will be great. Um, I do have a, a Facebook page called um, I am Julie Brown. And I have a Facebook group as well, which I know you've got the links uh, in the show notes to that too. 
I am on Twitter as well, which is um, I am Julie Brown one. So those are all my different places you can find me. Thank you. And is there anything that you're offering at the moment in terms of promotions or things that people can sign up to that would be of interest? Yeah, I have got a freebie that I uh, would like to offer because it's about media coverage. And I think for the people who are listening here now or watching and your audience in general, the earlier you can think about starting to get media coverage for your business, the better it's going to be because media coverage is so powerful. We haven't touched on that really, but it is the most powerful form of marketing you could ever do. And so many people are not using it. It's tip of the iceberg really when it comes to the amount of business owners that are using it, but the ones that are are reaping massive benefits. So I wanted people to start thinking about this sooner rather than later. So my freebie is, is in two parts really. It's a list of 10 media outlets that are looking for business owners right now because they want to feature them in their place wherever that may be and there's a little bit of uh, information on each outlet as well so you can have a look at that and see whether it's something that you want to go further with but then it comes with a video which is about whether you are ready for media coverage or not because although you don't need to be mega experienced you can still get media coverage as a newish business owner there are things that it would be best to have in place before you start contacting the media and this video just goes through that and tells you what you can do about it if you don't think you're ready. Fantastic. And, um, the link to that is on your show notes. It is indeed, it will be, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Julie, for giving up so many valuable insights today and some of your time to talk to us. You've given us loads of gems to work with today. So thank you very much. I'm sure the listeners and those watching on YouTube will find loads of really useful things to take away from everything you've talked about. So thank you. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you. You're welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for joining us here at Business Foundations for Mums. You can find all of our episodes, show notes and blog posts at businessfoundationsformums.co.uk and you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook 